Reef, a family torn apart and a believed mysterious Moscow Mule cocktail. With an arrest on the weekend of Mother's Day and the anniversary of the death of the victim, you could say that Corey Richin's case is something from out of a book. And well, you wouldn't be wrong. A disclaimer. This case is still ongoing in court, so until a verdict has been reached, this is merely our thoughts and opinions and media speculation. again everyone and welcome back to another episode of our shit detectives podcast sadly tonks can't be with us today so it's just me and echo in today's episode we are covering a bizarre case where the alleged killer released a book shortly afterwards also trigger warning this case discusses suicide and overdoses and murder so if this is something you aren't in a good mind frame to listen to right now we totally get it and totally understand and I hope to see you in another episode. Please look after yourself and your own mental health. In July 2021, Corey Richens was helping her brother to surprise his girlfriend with a proposal. When the girlfriend said yes, they immediately began making plans with Corey, arrangements for Corey to be a bridesmaid and her husband, Eric, to be a groomsman. Sadly, this would not come to pass as the unthinkable would happen to Eric. Let's get to know who Eric was. Eric grew up on a cattle ranch, owned a stone masonry business, and he was a loyal customer to the Home Depot, which is where he met Corey as she worked checkouts. A co-worker of hers nudged her in his direction, describing his laugh as unforgettable and how it would make her day when he joined her queue. She then did the same with Eric after picking up the vibes that he liked Corey. After his first marriage had ended up in a divorce, it must have been a relief to Eric that things with Corey were going so well. So well, in fact, they ended up buying a mansion together before marrying one another in June 2013. Corey signed a prenuptial agreement that agreed, unless Eric died, she would have no claim to his business date. 50% of his own business. They married in the back garden of their home in Francis, Utah. Since then, Eric and Corey have had three sons, now aged 10, 9 and 6. In this simply massive home, Eric was said to have owned a broad and vast selection of motorised toys, ranging all the way from four-wheelers to snowmobiles. In his obituary, it states that Eric doted on his sons and other relatives. With his willingness to help others, he spent hours coaching and teaching the kids to play aggressive and to give it their all. As a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Eric is reported to have done most things anonymously, citing that he didn't want accolades or recognition. His friends described him as a true champion of all people. It did not matter if you were an employee, family, friend, or a random person in the street. If you needed anything, you could count on him. He truly cared about each and every person he met. He was always trying to help people find better solutions in work and in life. Eric made sure to set time aside 
to do what he loved most and made sure that everyone around him did the same. Corey Richens After having her three sons, Corey left her job as a cashier at Home Depot and became a real estate agent. In his obituary, Corey is described as the love of his life and wife of nine years. She was a well-educated woman with a postgraduate work in various human resource courses and a bachelor's degree in healthcare administration. In a petition that will be discussed later, it is stated that Corey began encountering financial problems, potentially as early as 2016, and started allegedly stealing money from Eric to flip houses. Flipping in this context means buying a property, doing it up to add value, and then selling it again for a new value. The family alleged that in September 2020, Eric discovered that she had withdrawn at least $100,000 from his bank, spent $30,000 on his credit cards, and using a power of attorney to secure a loan of $250,000, and cash checks from his business for her own use. This petition claims that she admitted it when Eric confronted her. And this wasn't the only legal battle that Corey would be involved in. Shortly after Eric's death, Corey was involved in a civil suit from Eric's sister, who had filed to take over the estate, a fact which Corey contested. Corey was also suing Eric's sister as part of a separate civil case. And whilst this was all happening in the background, Corey was performing an unprecedented move. She was writing a book, Are You With Me? My husband passed away unexpectedly last year, so it's March 4th was a one-year anniversary for us, and um, he was 39. It completely took us all by shock. Um, and we have three little boys, 10, 9, and 6. And, um, you know, we kind of, my kids and I kind of wrote this book on the different emotions and grieving processes that we've experienced last year. Are You With Me by Corey Richens is written to create peace and comfort for children who have lost a loved one, is to reassure children that although your loved one is not present, their presence always exists and they walk through life with you as if they were here. Wherever you go, whoever you become, their love remains with you. A heartwarming and reassuring book that gently guides children through the difficult experience of losing a loved one. Written by a loving mother who personally faced this challenge, this book is designed to offer comfort and solace to young minds in a way that is both accessible and engaging. With vivid and colourful illustrations, Are You With Me follows the story of a child who has lost their father, but who is reminded that his presence still exists all around them just like an angel watching over them. Whether it's playing at the park or simply enjoying a quiet moment at home, the child is comforted by the knowledge that their father is always by their side. As a book that celebrates the resilience of the human spirit, Are You With Me is a must read for any child who has experienced the pain of loss and for parents who want to provide their children with the emotional support they need to heal and grow. A story of hope, healing, and the unbreakable bond between parent and child.
or at least that's what Google says. Thank you, Echo. This was the book Corey Richards had written following the death of her husband, and it is where the accusation of alleged attempts to profiteer over her husband's murder originates. Following its publication, Corey's mother posted on Facebook, Her book is out, buy it on Amazon. Corey also appeared on TV to self-promote the book, where she stated, My husband passed away unexpectedly last year. March 4th was the one-year anniversary for us. He was 39. Corey told anchors on the show, It's, you know, explaining to my kids just because he's not present with us here physically doesn't mean his presence isn't here with us. It was said in a testimony given by Eric's sister, Amy Richens, at the detention hearing for Corey Richens, that in the book, Corey used her kids' names and their last family portrait. The family truly believes that she tried to profiteer off the death of her husband and exploited the boys for money. It's also alleged that originally the book was supposed to be in regards to the grief of losing a sibling, not a parent. The book has since been removed from Amazon following Corey's arrest and no comments have been made publicly about this decision. Eric's siblings have also petitioned for the application to bar Richards from selling the book and to turn over any money that she made from it. In a statement to CNN, Eric's sister Amy said, How can anyone value human life so cheaply? I cannot comprehend it. She also stated that it was painful to watch Corey promote her book and herself as an amazing mother. And so this is Corey Richens. She came on the show. She wrote in to the station saying, I have a book that could help grieving children who may have suffered a loss. Murder for profit. According to court records, Corey was causing Eric grave concern before his unfortunate and untimely death. The affidavit describes that years ago, whilst on a trip to Greece, Eric was violently ill after Corey gave him a drink. His sister says he later called stating he believed Corey had tried to kill him. Deputy Jamie Woody wrote in a different affidavit for a search warrant. Eric's family advised me that he'd warned them that if anything happened to him, Corey was to blame. Apparently, Eric's concerns had been ramping up in the months before his death. He had changed his will beneficiary from his wife to his sister. The search warrant affidavit state, He wanted a divorce and his kids taken care of. However, he elected to stay for the sake of the boys, believing it to be in their best interests. Additionally, Corey was performing her own financial shenanigans, according to a search warrant issued in 2022. She allegedly logged into Eric's life insurance and changed the beneficiary from his business partner to her. The insurance company reached out to Eric and his partner and fortunately they were able to change it back. Prosecutors are suggesting that Corey took out four life insurance policies, which in total are worth around $2 million without his knowledge years ago. She also allegedly called a locksmith to drill into a safe owned by Eric said to contain between $125,000 and $165,000 in cash. Allegedly, she had also made herself the beneficiary of Eric's portion of his mother's retirement account, 
It's also alleged that she had taken out multiple life insurance policies on all three of her sons. Prosecutors are alleging that at some point between December 2021 and January 2022, Corey contacted an acquaintance with drug convictions and asked them to procure pain medication for an investor who was complaining of a back injury. This acquaintance then allegedly bought hydrocodone pills. This acquaintance then allegedly bought the pills from a dealer and left them at the house that Corey was flipping. She allegedly left cash in return. Hydrocodone, for those who are familiar with it, was the drug that we covered in our Letitia Stalk episode. As a recap, take it away, Echo. Hydrocodone is an opioid used to treat pain and is a cough suppressant. It's used to treat moderate to moderately severe pain. Studies indicate that hydrocodone is as effective or more effective than codeine for cough suppression and nearly equipotent to morphine for pain relief. Hydrocodone primarily binds and activates the mu opioid receptor in the central nervous system and possesses analgesic and antitwissive effect. Binding of hydrocodone to this receptor also results in analgesia, euphoria, respiratory depression, decreased gastrointestinal motility, and physical dependence. In layman's terms, this drug can make it very hard for people to breathe, and they can also have problems with their digestive system. It is also very addictive. However, weeks later, she allegedly reached out again, claiming that the investor wanted something stronger, specifically that Michael Jackson stuff, meaning fentanyl. And three days before Valentine's Day, she is alleged to have paid $900 for between 15 to 30 pills of fentanyl. Eric was again very ill on Valentine's Day. According to the Daily Mail, Eric reportedly broke out in hives after eating a sandwich, which was supposedly prepared by her. Then Corey allegedly returned to the acquaintance with the same MO, $900 for the same drugs, two weeks later. Fentanyl is a synthetic opioid analgesic that is 50 times stronger than heroin and 100 times stronger than morphine. There are two types of fentanyl, pharmaceutical fentanyl and illegally made fentanyl. The pharmaceutical grade fentanyl is prescribed by doctors to treat severe pain, especially after surgery or serious injury or advanced stage cancer. While illegally made fentanyl is often added to other drugs due to its extreme potency, which makes the drugs cheaper, more powerful, more addictive, and of course, more dangerous. Fentanyl works by blocking pain signals between the brain and the rest of the body. It can also reduce the anxiety and stress caused by pain. Something important to note about fentanyl is that it is tasteless, odorless, and too small to see meaning that if food or drink is laced with the substance and Eric were ingesting it, he wouldn't have known it. There'd have been no indicators. Illegal fentanyl is a major contributor to fatal and non-fatal overdoses in America. Over 150 people die every day from overdoses related to synthetic opioids such as fentanyl. As it can be life-saving to know the symptoms of an opioid overdose and what to look out for, we thought that we would include this information. Have fun, Echo. Okay, here's some things to look for. So you're looking for small, constricted, pinpoint pupils. So we're talking very pinpoint, very small. Falling asleep or losing consciousness. 
if the person seems very drowsy, very in and out of it as well. Severe respiratory depression. So you're talking slow, weak breathing or no breathing. Choking or gurgling sounds coming from the patient. The patient are having a limp body or limp or flimsy arms and legs. Cold and or clammy skin. And sometimes they get a bit of a discoloration to the skin. You're talking blues and purples, especially in the lips and nails. Blurred speech and inability to speak are also very common in opioid overdoses. And, of course, there's unresponsiveness. Again, just simply because this information could save a life, we're going to cover what to do if someone is having a fentanyl overdose. Off you go again, Echo. So an overdose is a medical emergency. If you believe that someone is overdosing, call emergency services for help immediately. I cannot stress this enough. The first point you can call emergency services, call them. Naloxin is an opioid antagonist that can be used to quickly reverse an opioid overdose. If you have this to hand and you know the person has definitely had an opioid overdose, then please administer it with guidance from the emergency operator. An opioid antagonist is a type of medication that attaches to opioid receptors to reverse and block the ongoing effects of an opioid agonist drug. Due to the potency of drugs such as fentanyl, naloxone may need to be administered multiple times to reverse fentanyl-involved opioid overdoses. Stay with the person to monitor their breathing. And if the person is awake, try to keep them awake. Keep them talking, breathing and alert. Try to prevent choking. Turn the person on their side and place them into the recovery position if you know it. You want to learn how to put someone in the recovery position? There are plenty of videos on YouTube that teach the recovery position. St. John Ambulance has quite a few really good tutorial videos on how to place someone in the recovery position. But if you don't know how to put the person to recovery position, you can just have them on their side. If emergency personnel are not on site, stay with the person until medical assistance arrives. It is important to note that naloxone is a temporary treatment and its effects do not last long. This is why it is so crucial to call emergency services for help immediately. And because it is very important to know, there are some important steps to avoid if you think someone has overdosed, such as do not place the person in a cold shower or bath. Do not forcefully slap the person to try and wake them up, as this may cause injury. Do not inject the person with any other substances unless you're using naloxone under the guidance of emergency personnel. And do not attempt to make the person vomit because this can increase their risks of asphyxiation or choking. Thank you, Eka. There it was one hell of a bombardment. Hopefully it will save lives and reduce the figures of those that have lost their lives due to opioid overdoses. Just a quick and interesting side note, some police in the UK are now routinely equipped with a nasal spray variant of naloxone and this is something we think should become a nationwide requirement of all police. It could even be a requirement of cops in America that they could adopt to aid in reducing opioid overdose deaths in the US 
since over 150 people die a day due to opioid overdoses. In fact, why not make it international and just reduce the statistic worldwide? I am fully behind this, Ida. 100% fully behind it. An autopsy and toxicology report revealed that the dosage of fentanyl in his system was five times that of the lethal dose. Eric died six days after the supposed encounter of a fentanyl overdose in a Moscow mule. This was considered strange because fentanyl overdoses aren't normally from ingestion as it would take too long for the high. In almost no time at all, Corey closed on the house where the supposed dealings occurred. The house where these dealings allegedly occurred was reportedly a regular argument between the couple. A report from CNN states that in March 2022, Eric, 39, was found unresponsive and cold to the touch at the foot of the bed. An autopsy and toxicology report would later find that he had about five times the lethal dosage of fentanyl in his system. When she was asked about it, Corey told investigators that she bought Eric a Moscow Mule cocktail to the bedroom, then left to sleep with their son in his room and didn't return until 3am, telling Summit County Sheriff's Office deputies that it was because her son was scared. Corey claimed that she and Eric were celebrating the closing of a house purchase from her business from the previous night and that was why she bought him the cocktail and he started drinking it while sat on the bed. According to the affidavit, Richens supposedly attempted CPR on her husband, but when medical and fire personnel arrived, they said that it did not appear as if she had done CPR due to a large amount of blood that came from Eric's mouth. Corey also claimed that she had left her phone plugged up in her bedroom. However, investigators found that it had been locked and unlocked several times and showed movement before calling the emergency services. According to The Independent, the day after his death, Corey hosted a party, supposedly to celebrate the property deal. According to court documents, it was here that she discovered she'd been removed from the will by Eric. Two weeks later, the property was then put back on the market once again. Just days after her husband's death, it is alleged that Corey had a locksmith drill into her husband's safe, which contained between $125,000 and $165,000 in cash. According to the amended court document, when Eric Richards' sister Katie Richards Benson told Corey to leave the safe alone, prosecutors alleged in the filing that Corey became angry and punched Katie in the face and neck. Sheriff's deputies responded and called the attorney for Eric Richards' estate. Richards was informed that her husband had created a living trust. It's alleged that within two weeks of his death, Corey had removed all but one photo of her deceased husband and had disposed of all of his clothing. Corey had also arranged a golf tournament in Eric's name two months after his death, on the day that would have been his 40th birthday. It is alleged that she explicitly told his family that they were not allowed to attend, which is just diabolical. How things stand. Corey Richens stands accused of poisoning her husband with a lethal dose of fentanyl mixed in a Moscow mule in March 2022 and currently faces charges of criminal homicide, aggravated murder and three counts of possession of a controlled substance. She allegedly committed the crime after having tried to up his life insurance. 
CNN also report that as of the 29th of June 2023, she is yet to enter a plea and still remains in custody after a judge determined that she posed a substantial danger to the community. At this moment in time, we can only really go off the evidence that has been released to the press. Among all of this, there's been the announcement that there were many phone searches that the investigators claim were made by Corey Richards, which include what is a lethal dose of fentanyl, the drug that her husband just so happened to overdose with. Some of the alleged searches include, can cops force you to do a lie detector test? Luxury prisons for the rich in America? Death certificate says pending, will life insurance still pay out? And how to permanently delete information from an iPhone remotely? Eric's family have filed a petition to invoke Utah's Slayer statute, which prevents killers from profiteering from their crimes. At the time of the article, Corey's legal team has yet to respond. Katie, on behalf of her brother's estate, has initiated a lawsuit to sue for the proceeds that were already made by the book. Eric's estate is eventually going to go to his children. Not only this, but allegedly, Katie hired a private investigator to surveil and follow Corey. It is stated in the court document that Corey filed to remove Katie as trustee of Eric's trust. Corey and her sister-in-law have been in an ongoing battle over the trust and estate since Eric's death. Corey claims in the documents that the private investigator would park outside her home to watch and surveil her and would question her neighbours about her and her husband. Corey was denied bail at her detention hearing. It was during the hearing that allegations of Corey attacking Amy Richards were brought to light. In a scheduling conference on 22nd of June 2023, Corey made her second appearance in the Utah court. During this hearing, the prosecutors laid out the work they still needed to do, and for this reason both parties asked that the hearing be pushed back to a later date of September 1st. There is also potential for prosecution to add charges. It is hoped the preliminary hearing date will be decided then, and we will keep you posted around this as it unfolds. Allegedly, Corey had claimed to the family that she was unable to aid them in organising Eric's funeral, as she was too stricken with grief. However, she was able to pull it together enough to, one, close on the purchase of a $2 million home, hire a real estate agent and an architect to create design drawings of the home, two, hire a lawyer to begin a lawsuit on Eric's trust, three, hire a locksmith to break into and clean out Eric's safe, four, attempt to have Eric cremated, and five, host a party? She was a very busy woman. Most of this was done within 48 hours of his death as well. It is also alleged that she has used her three sons as weapons against Eric's family, with Amy stating in court that Corey has threatened to cut them out of the boys' lives should they not meet her demands. Amy also claimed in her statement at the detention hearing that she had been told that Corey had started telling her children that none of Eric's family or friends loved them and that none of the family cared for them or wanted any involvement with them. Amy also stated that Corey was in a desperate financial situation at the time of Eric's death and that the situation had worsened which has caused the family to fear for the lives of her children. 
Also, according to KPCW, the prosecution have found the drug contact where Corey allegedly acquired the drugs. The unnamed person is said to be cooperating with the prosecution and it's very likely that the contact will testify in the actual murder trial. The prosecution have suggested that this may be down to a deal that's been struck with the contact who would have violated their parole for previous drug-related crimes. Our thoughts and opinions. Now that we've just about covered everything we could find about this ongoing case, we would really like to know what your thoughts are. Do you think Corey is guilty or is she innocent? And why do you think that? Let us know in the comments. Please remember to be respectful to the Richens family in the comments as well. So here are our thoughts and opinions on the case so far. Um, I'm going to start with the book. Um, and I think that one of the reasons that this might have been what would start off as po possibly a wholesome idea or be perceived as wholesome by some in the community uh, you have to remember that Eric was part of the Latter-day Saints and their belief system is somewhat different uh, I'm going from memory here so I might be wrong but as I understand it they're not around when they're waiting for you they're upwards waiting for you in three in one of three areas and then when it's your time they come back down to take you it would have terrified me as a child i'm not gonna lie in regards to corey using her sons against eric against his family after his death that i find absolutely despicable cruel maniacal you name it i can that is probably how I would describe it. Many negative terms. You can have problems with the with the. You could be a widow, and you can have problems with the with the husband's family. But don't bring the kids into it. For goodness' sake, they've lost their dad. Is that not enough? You're not always going to get along with your partner's family, but especially after they've lost their father, they are going to need that support network more than ever. Yeah. And she just stripped it away from them. And that I find so cruel. It's cruel to both parties. It's cruel to her kids. And it's cruel to Eric's family. Again, now I am going to state that this is alleged. This is allegedly what yeah. she did. Alleged. So, so don't, alleged. don't come after us. We're just going over what is alleged. And this is what the Richins family are claiming. So don't come after us with a lawsuit. This is just our opinions based off the claims made against Corey by the Richards family. So it's allegedly. It's alleged. Although her behaviour is fishy as anything. Oh yeah. Why not cancel that party? Yeah, I personally, if something happened to my partner, I think I would be too gr well, to be fair, I'm not a party goer anyway, <laughs> but I really would not be in a mind frame for a party at all especially not within the first 48 hours of his death jesus christ yeah no i would be i would honestly be cancelling it and going um you know it's a, it's sudden it's unexpected and i just want to be in my family right now go away i'm cancelling it i don't care how happy you are you got the house you no personally i don't think i would be feeling anything towards the house if it were me i'd be too upset with the fact that my husband just overdosed personally this is just me 
but I would be hunting high and low to make sure that there's no more fentanyl in the house since I've got three kids in the house. I'd be sweeping that house blooming clean, making sure there is no yeah. substances available, that nothing's been left within their reach, or anything like that, I would be freaking petrified. Because if he was in that mindset where he did yeah. no. end his own, then um, I'm sorry, but people are sloppy when they're in that mindset. He could have left a pill out. There could have been anything left out that those boys could have found. I'd have been sweeping that house and I'd been looking everywhere, under the bed, all around the bedroom. Heck, I'd probably have everything out just to be sure that there is none of that substance left that my boys could get hold of. Yeah, um, you know, although to be fair, in that situation, um, you would look just as suspicious. Probably, but me being me, I'd be freaking out thinking that, you know, my husband's just died of an opioid overdose. I've got kids in the house, I need to check, and then, to be fair, if I found any further of the substance, I'd be backing it up and going, please, here you go. I found this, I've been hunting around because I've got kids in my house. But then I think that's because I have kids and I am very paranoid. Yeah. Like everything gets in goes in a locked box for me, so Yeah. Going back to the whole family thing as well, the whole banning his family from the memorial golf tournament. Like Yeah, that's a that's a low blow. Yeah. Like I'm sorry to tell you this, Corey, but you are the mother of his kids, which means that you are family with his family for life. And you're supposed to put your boys first. They are his support network. They are a big part of his support network. They've been there all of his life, as far as we know. And to do that, you've to put your boys first. You've got to do your damned best to get along with the paternal family. You've just got to. They might not be... I know that they weren't making it easy for you, like for Corey, but you still have to try. And you still let the boys see their family. So doing a golf tournament, in my eyes, that would have been an ideal time to, you know, it's in his memory to invite the family and have the boys there and let them get involved. You know... Yeah, I mean, it's hardly it's hardly honouring his memory when you've banned the yeah. very bloodline. And the thing is, as well, is it is the if you don't get along very well with the paternal family, it's the ideal situation really because you are in a crowd of people, so the boys could see the paternal family and you could keep your distance from them, and and you could offer out an olive branch with it, you know. Go, time yeah. has passed. We're doing this memorial golf for him since he did enjoy golf. Um, want to come for me a lot of this just seems like absolute madness yeah it's either very poorly thought out actions on Corey's part which have led to her looking so suspicious saying that as you just said with what i do in that situation i'd look suspicious as hell oh yeah i mean i probably would because i'd go hermit mode i'd i'd draw all the curtains and everything no one would see the kids. We're worried for the kids. Yeah, well, um... A grieving widow. I'm, I'm I'm, grieving widow and I'm doing it properly. Curtains are drawn. 
We are marathoning Netflix. Yeah, I think I'd be ordering a lot of takeaways. And binge eating crap. I'd be eating a lot of pizza. A lot of pizza. Also, you're, str you're struggling financially. Uh, and you didn't think to sell, uh, ask Eric to sell any of the vehicles? I want to know how she was struggling for money in the first place. Like, what was she doing with it? I know, maybe she just had a couple of bad flips. Couple of bad flips, yeah, maybe, but they were a pretty well-off family. How was she struggling for maybe money? Maybe she started in debt. She could have started in debt, don't get me wrong, but personally, I still can't get my head around it because you can just literally turn to your partner and say, look, this has happened, you know, I fucked up. I royally screwed up. Can you help me? And as in a loving marriage, you are supposed to work as a team and help each other out. And maybe you might have been able to, you know, help her make smarter business decisions in the it future. definitely bought you in the ass. Yeah, I mean, all she had to do was reach out for help and say, you know, she was struggling. She could have reached out for help. She could have asked for help. I do not understand where this whole keeping it secretive comes from. If you've messed up, you've messed up. Own your mistake and talk to your partner about it. Don't ever hide your mistakes because they will creep up on you and they'll look in the long run. Secrets don't stay secret. Lies always come out. They always come undone. We saw this in the Letitia Stouch case. Anyway, we will be revisiting this case once it is in trial, so please stay tuned. If you liked this episode, please do drop us a like and subscribe and press the notification bell if you're on YouTube. And give us a follow on Spotify. Give us a rating. It all helps boost us in the algorithm and we truly do appreciate it. We hope to see you next time. Bye! Bye. If she is found guilty, she has committed the ultimate act of betrayal. Eric is gone, and I am brokenhearted. Why did Eric lose his life? Why did the boys lose their father? Was it because of Corey's greed and desire to get life insurance and other assets? If so, that is abhorrent. How could anyone value life, human life so cheaply? I cannot comprehend it. We have watched as Corey has paraded around portraying herself living window, widow and victim, while trying to profit from the death of my brother. Both by trying to profit from a book about his death and trying to get life insurance and assets that should go exactly where Eric wanted them to, to his voice. Corey looked at me with pure hatred and rage. I was messing up her plan. I was getting in her way. And because of that, she attacked me. She punched me in the face and neck multiple times. It took four people to pull her off me that day. Her most recent business venture was authoring a children's book about how to help grieving children cope with the loss of, a, of the death of a parent. In this book, she had the audacity to use the boys' real names and even use their last family portrait. Her behavior gives me great concern as she has exploited the boys for money and will likely do so again. In addition, Corey has weaponized Eric's children, manipulating my dad to do or not do things 
by threatening to come in to cut him out of their lives if he did, if he did not capitulate to her demands. She similarly deprived the boys of contact with myself, my sister, and her daughters unless we agreed to give her the money in Eric's trust. Money that Eric wanted to go to his three children. As if that were not enough, I have been told that Corey started telling their three little boys that none of Eric's family or friends loved them. She apparently told them none of us cared for them or wanted to be around them, even though that is the exact opposite of what was happening. We all want nothing more than to be there for those three little boys, my nephews, yet Corey has made sure to cut us out of every aspect of their lives. This is all just a brief summary and the start of what our family has been through over the last year.